Live from some Ricky Dick film vault. Spider Man. The Fugitive. A QM production. Starring David Jansen as Dr. Richard Kimball, an innocent victim of blind justice, falsely convicted for the murder of his wife, reprieved by fate when a train wreck freed him en route to the death house, freed him to hide in lonely desperation, to change his identity, to toil at many jobs, freed him to search for a one-armed man he saw leave the scene of the crime, freed him to run before the relentless pursuit of the police lieutenant obsessed with his capture. The guest stars in tonight's... Hello, and welcome back to the Film Week Podcast. I am your host, Serge, or Serge Verrett. And I am Patrick. And this is the second episode in our TV on the big screen month. We have... I have finally watched The Fugitive. Yeah, what do you think? Well, we'll get to that in the review portion. Oh, yes. (laughs) How presumptuous of me. (laughs) I've, it's presumptuous of me. I've I jumped ju- the gun. <laughs> no, it's presumptuous of me because I just straight up said, like, I've watched it. <laughs> no, this is, uh, the film is The Fugitive. Uh, last week was Serenity. That was yes. based off Firefly. This is based off the 1960s series, The Fugitive. Of the same name. Is it 1960s? The Fugitive is 1960s? Yeah, it's the 1960s. I think it's the 60s. Let me. Are you, oh, man. I thought it was old. I thought it was a little. 1963 to 1967. Oh, wow. I thought it was younger, to be honest. No, no, no. What what time did the uh, what year did the Incredible Hulk TV series come out? The Incredible Hulk TV series, yeah. I think that's during the seventies. Let me just plug that into my laptop TV. Because they very they both follow a very similar format. Uh, 1978. Yeah, they both follow a very similar format of, uh, in the TV show, it was like Wanderer, like the guy is like on the run for something that he doesn't really have any control over, and he's trying to find something to either exonerate him, or in the case of Incredible Hulk, cure him, but, uh, going back to The Fugitive, yeah, I think each episode was like him going out to help out, and then finding clues that would reveal, like, what happened in his, uh, I think in the, the, the plot of the story in the movie is like, one of the TV's like the same, like his wife is murdered. Oh no, it's exactly the same. His wife is murdered, he's blamed for the killing but he swears it's the one-armed man and then he manages to escape is the fugitive uh he goes to help people because he's a doctor he gets involved in their lives and he always finds like a clue or he deals has to deal with people and shit like that you know but he he looks for clues to find the one-armed man and bring justice to his life yeah uh the original fugitive show aired on abc from 1963 to 1967 it lasted four seasons with a total of 120 episodes oh wow syndication Good each, for you. each one of them is a uh, 100 and uh, each one of them is uh 51 minutes so 51 jesus christ yeah it's as long as star trek it wasn't syndication it was at abc <sighs> So it's prime time. Wasn't syndication once you hit 100 episodes? Oh, yeah, that's right. You're talking about it pro- It goes on to syndication. Yeah, yeah. it does. Um, it was nominated for five Emmy, Emmy Awards and won the Emmy for Outstanding Dramatic Series in 1966. It's also ranked number 36 on the 50 greatest TV shows of all time. And um, we were talking about it earlier. The finale was fucking huge. Yeah, you had mentioned that and it kind of reminded <laughs> me that uh, big TV events aren't really a thing anymore. No, they're not. I mean, there's like the Super Bowl and stuff, but like, I mean, there was like the ending of Cheers. Uh, we had like, uh, what is it? Mash, the ending of Mash being a thing. Um, I'm sure, I'm pretty sure there's like more big TV moments and stuff like that. Uh, oh yeah, there certainly is. But we're, we're, we're millennials, so we're escaping that, that kind of facet of, of life. Because of the way it's like being delivered to us. Oh yeah, we can, we can literally pick and choose what we want to watch and how it affects us. Like, I was glad that American Idol was over and then I was sad when ABC resurrected the rotted corpse of it yeah but like idol yeah yeah but i remember i remember like so i guess american idol ending was kind of a big thing at the time but i felt like a lot of the world was just glad we are we were all glad (laughs) and then when it came back no one gives a shit no it'll probably like it's just there to it was the first of the music host show thing and then it'll not be the first there was play before it oh yeah there's like the gun but like i would i would say the modern I like era the more, oh, okay yeah the modern era <laughs> era the finale for this was actually told in two parts okay and on the finale they said on tuesday tuesday august 29th uh the day the running stopped that was actually tuesday august 29th 1967 huh. the final the day of the final episode uh part two of the finale was the most watched television series episode well everyone wanted to know who the one-armed man was yeah 
Oh, we skipped the other. One. Actually, I think the one-armed man was the main antagonist. Like, it was. And he we'll, would come back to fuck with Kimball, right? Yeah, and we'll get to that right. when it, in regards to this movie. Um, <coughs> it was viewed by 25.70 million households. That's 45.9% of American households with a TV set. T- television 70- ratings wish they can get. Yeah. Like that much viewership again. No. Yeah. And a 72% share. I think like what, like 2 million is considered high ratings now? And it's, that means with all that combined, a total, more than 78 million people across the nation watched that episode. Wow. At once. Wow. <clears throat> that, wow. That record was held until November 21st, 1988. By the way, this all comes from Wikipedia because cheating. Anyway, um, that record was held until a certain show by the name of Dallas had their Who Done It episode. And who that, shot Jr. Yeah, yeah, Who shot Jr. And it was that was viewed by forty one point forty seven million households. So that means fifty three point three percent. But then was surpassed by we mentioned it when we were watching the movie, and mm. it was Mash. Mash. Goodbye, farewell, and amen. On February twenty eighth, nineteen eighty three. Guys, if you ever watched Mash and enjoyed it, that fucking that series finale is amazing. I I've only seen, seen parts it. of it. I only seen parts of it, but it was like it's wow, it's like really good. It, I, I enjoy like as old TV goes. I really enjoy Mash. Like I grew up with Mash. I think that's probably why that I, theme song is burned to my brain. So the the TV version or the movie version? The TV version. Have you heard the movie version? Yes. It's very sad. It does. Yeah, it's suicide is painless. Yeah, but I. It, I watched this shit ton of mash as well. Yeah, but the TV version is so cheerful. Suicide is painless. There are so many changes. You know, the first time I heard those lyrics, unfortunately, were in a Family Guy special, I think. Oh, that sucks. Well, uh, uh, <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> I, asked, I looked at him. I was like, these guys make up words for the show Mash. And he goes, No, that was the song. I was like, It's a song. Yeah. And then mean. that made me watch the movie. Oh yeah, I didn't know that until way later. I was like, The fuck? Um, you know what doesn't suck? That um, Mash. Yes, and also that it was viewed by fifty point fifteen million households. That is sixty sixty point two percent of households and a seventy seven percent share. That's a testament to how good uh, Mash is. Also, the fact that we had like five channels of the time also the fact that mash's season finale is a pretty much a two hour and a half movie oh yeah for sure it's fucking and i gotta tell you alan alda man he uh (laughs) he kills it in that wow just crying and everything that's great if any of you have never heard fucking i have a cheap uh, imitation of of bill Hader's amazing imitation bill Hader as alan alda is the greatest thing and i love it to death i ah just (laughs) that's perfection but you said you watched the Fugitive TV show a bit. I watched an episode or two, yeah. And how was it? Um, It, it was a very much a product of its time. You, so, you said it was kind of boring. Because it was a product of its time, and I also was like, okay. You can find it on YouTube, honestly. Like, you look it up on YouTube. Yeah. But honestly, that's probably because it's in comparison to what I watched as a kid. I grew up watching The Fugitive. The movie. Yes, the movie. Uh, which is a 1993 American thriller film. And so when I compare it to the, <laughs> the, the movie version, I'm like, oh, this is nothing like that at all. Oh, no. No. <laughs> uh, this movie is directed by Andrew Davis, who goes on to direct, who direct, also directed Under Siege, starring Steven Seagal, mm-hmm. and uh, childhood favorites. Hole. <laughs> right. Holes. Holes. That's the movie he directed. Not, not an actor named Hole. <laughs> <laughs> he directed the band Hole. <laughs> All of Hole. And it stars everyone's favorite finger pointing man, Harrison Ford, Han Solo, Indiana Jones, him motherfucking self. <laughs> this point. <laughs> that's not how the force works <laughs> or even at the interrogation scene in this movie you, you find him you listen to me you can't see it but I'm wagging my finger vicariously and favorite old motherfucking curmudgeon of mine Tommy old man Lee born Jones. as a human Tommy Lee Jones <laughs> old man born as a human Tommy Lee Jones who I still like you know watching this like Tommy Lee Jones isn't you know, comparing this to how he looks now, it was like, yeah, he just looks like Tommy Lee Jones, young. And I was all, like, looking at it, I was like, why did my mom think Tommy Lee Jones was attractive and not Harrison Ford? She's in the other room too. You want to explain? <laughs> what is it? What is it? What is it? What is it? Is it the acting scars? <laughs> is it the unibrow? Is it? Is it like what James almost has? Scar. Um, what this is pretty much about is exactly the plot of the TV show. Dr. Richard Kimball escapes from custody and sets out to prove his innocence while pursued by U.S. Marshal Deputy Samuel Gerard, Tommy Lee Motherfucker Jones, as we just said. Yes. 
His Tommy Lee Jones' character is original to the movie, though. Is it? Yeah. Really? Yeah. 60-40. He's 60-40? Yeah. Like my bisexuality, 60-40? Oh! I don't think you can be... All right, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, you're right. The the one on the show is Philip Gerard. This mm-hmm. is Sam Gerard. Technically, I guess original. I guess, yeah, I guess. <laughs> the screenwriter. <laughs> That's right, David Tuhey, Tohey, whatever the heck your name Tuhey. is. Tuhey. Tuhey. Son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, this film went was a critical and commercial success, and as I mentioned last episode in a reveal thing. My dad's favorite fucking movie of all time. It went on to uh, be nominated for seven Academy Awards, including Best Picture. And Tommy Lee Jones won Best Supporting Actor. Which is tough. It's a tough choice, honestly. Mm-hmm, and we'll get to it when yeah. we get to it. It also earned estimated... I don't even know that they why they put this fact in this article. Whoever took their time to edit this, go you. Estimated 44 million tickets sold in the U.S. That's how they used to kind of judge the pop, like you know how uh, popular a film was back then. And it was the third highest grossing film of 1993. Would you like to know what the top two were? Schindler's List and something else? No. Schindler's List. This beats out Schindler's List. Okay. Schindler's List was number four. Do you want to know what number two and number one were? What year did this come out again? 93. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I was going to say a Batman movie, but I don't think so. No Batman movie appeared. The top two. At number two, Mrs. Doubtfire. woo <laughs> And number one, our favorite, one of our favorite movies, and one of our favorite franchises we love to talk about on this podcast, Jurassic Park. Oh, fuck, yeah. <laughs> Other films on the uh, that were highest grossing were The Firm, Indecent Proposal, Sleepless in Seattle, Philadelphia, The Pelican Brief, and the cheesy favorite of mine, Cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> watch Cliffhanger. Don't play the Genesis game. Just watch Cliffhanger. <laughs> Isn't Anthony Sudeikis from... Uh... K- Kiedis? Kiedis, Anthony Kiedis from. Is he, uh, in, is he in Cliffhanger? I've heard that rumor, but I don't. I'm not sure if it's. He's in a movie with Stallone, but I forgot which one it was. Hey yo, I like. Hey yo, you are saying? Yeah, no, Rooker's in it though. Michael Rooker's in it. Oh, Mary fucking Poppins. Um. So enough about that, because this movie's. I'm not gonna get into it yet, but I have a lot to say. So you, you, listening to this, yes, you. Yeah, you, Martin. Yeah. Oh, damn. <laughs> you will listen to the trailer, and we will be back with our thoughts. I came home, there was a man in my house. He had an artificial arm. Are you saying that I killed my wife? Are you saying that I crushed her skull and that I shot her? gentlemen listen up we have a fugitive that's been on the run for 90 minutes average foot speed over uneven ground barring injury is four miles an hour that will give you a radius of six miles what i want out of each and every one of you is a hard target search of every gas station residence warehouse farmhouse hen house outhouse or dog house in this area Checkpoints will go up at 15 miles. Your fugitive's name is Dr. Richard Kimball. Go get him. And we're back. You just listened to the trailer, which was pretty much just a scene from the movie intercepted with Harrison Ford's heavy fucking breathing and him running. Yeah. So that's it. I have nothing to say about that trailer. You were so disappointed about how underwhelming it was. Dad, if you're listening, this movie's fucking awesome. 
And I'm fucking pissed that you never showed me it. I'm fucking pissed I was never present in the same room when you were watching this. Because this movie's fucking amazing from start to finish. Not once am I was I bored. And I fucking loved every minute of it. <laughs> and I'm so fucking glad I finally watched The Fugitive. So I could finally get that off my IMDb watch list and <laughs> go about my day. We take Miracle Mile off that. Uh, it's good. It was really good. I mean, like, uh, I, I've always known that about the film. But it was great to rewatch it again and kind of revisit it. Um, Why? Well, I, I mean, they're like, I've like, so uh meeting serge met my brother who just uh he was like he's a gen x guy so he would literally just consume any form of media as possible whether good or bad so i was just like inundated with all these films just because of osmosis being around him so we had the fugitive and we would watch that a lot and that was i think that was one of the few that we owned and i would just watch it i would just literally put movies on just because i was used to them <laughs> i don't think i was like oh, so what year did this movie come out uh, 93 93 so i'm two at this point when the movie comes out officially uh i remember being at least five and having the vhs and watching it often and not knowing what the fuck was going on so i would watch movies like that and uh clerks and things like that and kind of be inundated with all these like kind of really weird movies at a young age and then there would be a lot of bad movies but you know i think the good ones stuck more often than the than the bad but yeah it was kind of around my house between your watching of kids at like six and gummo i watched gummo at like eight i I watched gummo like at an early age like I watched movies I wasn't supposed to, <laughs> but Gummo is one of the ones I shouldn't have watched that I watched. And I was all like, I was like, oh yeah, I know white boys like that. They're right down the street. I was like, I went to my brother. The, guy, the guys I hung out with were uh, Ricky and Mikey. I was like, hey Joe. He goes, yeah. They look like Ricky and Mikey. And he just started laughing. He goes, yeah, your friends are white trash. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yeah, I'm I'm actually really pissed at myself that I did not watch the sooner. Just like I, with Ghost. What? Like with Ghost. Fucking Ghost. Well, another movie I grew up with. Like, I don't think as a child I should have been watching Patrick Swayze caress uh, Demi Moore. Um, as a child, you should be watching Patrick Swayze caress Demi Moore. You learn how to romance a woman. Also, the, the right fucking terrifying movie. ghost scene at the end. Oh, yeah, that's fucked up. With, like, the glass and stuff. I was like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. <laughs> Before we even, like, stepped into this movie, the only thing I... The mo- main thing I knew about The Fugitive was, one, the TV show. Two, I didn't kill my wife. Yeah. And three, the fucking poster, because that fucking poster is of him like, running down the... is the cover of every goddamn release of it. It's like, I'll get to you one day. And it's not even I'll like... I can get to you one day. It's not even a big part of the of the scene, let alone the movie. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's just the idea of him running uh, is the thing. Yeah, I even have the poster right here. What was the tagline? Oh, you can't even see the tagline. You're the one who made it. Chaffa. Oh, it was a, a, a murdered wife, a one-armed man. An obsessed detective. The chase began. What was the... How does Milhouse say it in The Simpsons? I'm telling you, I didn't do anything. I don't care. Let's... How do... I don't know where to begin with this movie. Um, well, one, they don't make movies like this anymore. They... Oh, like, this is like a big... This is like a big... I don't want to say it's big, because they they really keep it in Chicago for the most part, like Midwest. The biggest set piece is definitely the train sequence. Mm-hmm. Like, that one's, like, pretty legit. And they, like, actually derail a train to do it, too, and you can tell. Yeah, and it, it brings so much realism. And you... Dude, when he's out running that fucking train car... It's tense. You don't I, know. No, no, no. Like, it's, in, it's tense as fuck... But I also legitimately have fear for Harrison Ford's fucking life. Yeah, because there's an actual, like, it's an flaming act- anything, carriage driving at, like... Anything you think can go wrong will event- will probably go wrong. Yeah. And I'm a worry wart like a motherfucker. So I was like, oh my god, they derailed the real train. Oh my god, people could fucking die at any goddamn moment right now. Yeah, oh, well, no. I mean, they, they probably had, like, a lot of pre-production to kind of plan and be safe for oh that yeah well like where they filmed it at you could actually like i told you during it you could still go to the set <laughs> yeah. and they filmed it like on an abandoned railroad oh, okay. like they plotted it out and they made it perfect there's like, a homeless guy like, five bucks to see the the, the abandoned to see the fugitive train right there i shit it in that car <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was sitting right there. I was security at the time, and how, and then they left, and they took my job, and I've just been sitting here collecting checks ever since. <laughs> <laughs> this movie knows how to keep that in, like its intensity the whole time. Like even when there's like the lull of action, there is the the intrigue of mystery mm-hmm. of the conspiracy going on within the movie that you figure out, like that you're on the ride with Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford's character with. Yeah, and like the whole time, it's like it's just really good because you know what's great is that there's no like. I mean, there is, an, there is an antagonist that we find out at the end, but throughout the course of the movie, uh, it's another, uh, it's another uh, 
lawful kind of character who's not really ma- malevolent. Yeah. He's not doing this because he, he hates the character or because he's corrupt or anything. He's actually the opposite. He's very dedicated and, and duty-bound to capture him, to capture Harrison Ford's character. And that's why his character stands out among other, like, uh, kind of chase things. I think in the TV show, he's like, I think there are, like, corrupt cops or maybe the one-armed man kind of sets people against him. So there's, like, there's that uh, there's that there. But in this one, it's more interesting because you have an officer. There's that, the you said it uh, when we were talking about it, but when they have that standoff, he goes, I didn't kill my wife. And Tommy Lee Jones is like, I don't, I don't care. Like, you, you broke the law. Like, you're... St- like even if you didn't do it you still escaped the, like a like a prisoner transfer because you're a prisoner and i need to capture you because that's my job mm-hmm. and, then he, and he jumps on and he goes whoa what happened you just peter pan right off the <laughs> damn <laughs> you just peter pan out of here <laughs> and you can see tommy lee joe like tommy lee jones like oozes that determination and wants to get the job done and he has he's so fucking determined and another way they could have ruined the characters if they let the obsession you know kind of uh make him like corrupt or anything like that like mm-hmm. I, i've seen like things are like oh well, he's just doing his job and then like he overdoes it and he like but this whole time like tommy lee jones is just he's like just playing chess with this guy who they're like on an equal footing just trying to harrison ford is just trying to stay out of tommy lee jones's grasp and all tommy lee wants to do is capture when you're watching this movie this movie takes place over a year yeah like you you get the feeling that time passes for sure because like it's not as um stated but just like over time you're like oh well he gets an apartment that means he must have a job or something to pay for this and like he's on the run and stuff like that it's not within a week or anything that would be crazy if that was the way it's paced and structured like you sense time passing but it does feel like the kind of like three days structure you're used to when they say like oh it's been a year you're like yeah i buy it (laughs) yeah it makes total sense yeah like and and it adds to like later like a plot development later within that because we still we to the audience still think like an important like central figure is alive turns out they're not (coughs) but with the when it comes to the obsession and not letting him get there because we don't know if he went he's doing other cases at the same time we're just focused on this case yeah so he's like he's centralized focused on this one um also uh building on my theory of uh movie cops uh are inept as fuck so the cops buck gimbal uh, harrison ford's character yes and then they go and they go uh your wife's skin was on your fingernails yeah i grabbed her after like i was holding her as she died and then they go the, the guy comes in and he goes his wife's his wife's uh dna is on his fingernails like he just explained it to them and then he like he he has all these things like so your fingerprints are all over everything i was like yeah like in my head i'm like yeah he's trying to figure out what the fuck happened to his wife mm-hmm. he's like there was a gun in the house and he goes he goes yeah we have a gun in the house to protect ourselves there's just so much that the cops don't do right at all and they go book him he's yeah. guilty yeah it's a, without it, any due process without it, any real investigation yeah. they go nah he did it he's a kill-. and then later on one of them is like he goes uh do you think he did it of course he did it he's convicted he's guilty and then it's like literally like he just did all this to exonerate himself i'm like man all these cops should be getting fired after this well, one of the funniest ones it's all like <clears throat> it's like well if if you think he did it why 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 what was his motivation to do it he wanted money He's a doctor. He's already rich. It's like his wife is richer. I was like, and and like and like Ger- Gerard gives him this look. Like Tommy just gives him the look. Like, are you are you are you fucking kidding me? Like right now? Yeah. Like the <laughs> second he kind of deals, like he deals with the cops, he's like, oh, you guys are dumb. Like you're super dumb. Yeah. Like, like- and the cops aren't like outwardly portrayed by that, but just paying attention to like what happened. You're like, oh no, you guys shouldn't be doing any of that. Like everything you've done is like such a lazy attempt, and that there's nothing on the on the script, and it has no bearing on the story. It's just me building a case against movie cops who literally are so inept. Like when we were watching uh, his call Friday, they go, "Hey, what happened?" <laughs> Or X two, and they just yeah. like straight up shoot Wolverine. Yeah, he goes, "Can you put down your claws?" This I is can't. This and then bam. This is the season of police incompetence. <laughs> I think what, this whole last two years, years has been is, has been a showing of police incompetence. incompetence. I was laughing though because I was like, thinking, "We didn't get to see the end credits," but I was a uh, 
laughing because they use all the Chicago PD stuff because you know they probably got license from the Chicago PD. Yeah. And you know it's going to say special thanks to the Chicago Police Department. Dude, they should not be proud. Everyone like sucks in this. Every movie. yeah, every 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 police officer in that the the marshals are like the ones doing their job. They were like, okay, these guys are are comp- are competent. They're doing their job. They're doing everything they're supposed to do. I'm, but I'm like, yeah, the cops should have done that first, and then they didn't. They didn't at all. Like yeah. no, no. Like like, it, like you just said, said, they pretty much were just like book them. Yeah, they literally go look. They 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 look at the base facts and they go, "He did it." Or even later, when like like towards the end of the movie, when Kimball's like on the roof and stuff, and there's a helicopter shooting. Oh yeah, there's like I was joking about that too. They're like, uh, "We have a, a sighting on on Gimbal. Like, all right, just keep it there. He's like, and then one of the cops goes, "Shoot him!" And then they fucking shoot at the guy. I was like, "He has no gun. He's not threatening the helicopter in any way." The cops just like fucking die pretty much yeah like that and then the, the marshal's all case. like the marshal comes in at the end and he goes uh gimbal's in there we're gonna get him he's like no way he's ours he's dead and he goes and i'm like what the fuck is and he says that in front of a group of reporters like around him i'm like what the fuck is wrong with this cop anytime tommy lee jones though is on like uh, on but screen, then he has that great the, line he, has, he goes <laughs> so what are you gonna he's like uh he goes so what are you gonna do Arrest me. He just like walks past him and they go, he's right. We can't. He's a cop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not what they say, but it's just like. Uh, it's something to that effect. Anyway. They just kind of look at each other and go, oh, well. It's very cool and interesting just to see the journey that like Kibble's going on and the back and forth that they're kind of having. And they're like, th- I think Kibble and like Gerard only cross paths like two or three times. Yeah. The, the dam. And then I think later on, like way later on in the hospital, mm-hmm. but they're always, it's always like. They always have split like mi- like meetings. Yeah, they almost catch each other, or, or at least Tommy Lee Jones almost catches him. Yeah, they're like they like they're they, always like this close to me, like super close to especially me. Especially in the St. Paddy's Day parade, they Kibble has uh he does his investigating of the one armed man, the person that killed his wife, played by Stella Ward. Sorry, no, no, go on. I was just gonna say something about Julianne Moore. Oh, Julianne Moore's in this too. Yes. But <laughs> oh, I, did yeah. you did you think she would do anything more? No. No. I mean, because it was it just because it's the start of her career at this point, so you didn't think. she Yeah, would do- no, I think it was because she's just starting out, so it, it she'll get billing, but I don't think there's like more to what she was doing. Yeah, because I was like, maybe just because I was just so used to seeing Julianne Moore, I was like, oh, so she's gonna be more integral, and I was like, <laughs> a vagina, vagina. Um, ah, that's about those people who ask you what we're not just saying vagina. Yeah, we also have a yeah. Jane Lynch was also in the hospital. And that's her early in her career too. Yeah, looking like '90s Ellen. '90s Ellen. Um, but the one I remember in this movie is uh played by uh an actor by the name of Andreas Katsulas. When he appeared, though, Patrick. I was looking at the floor. I was looking at this guy and he has like such strong, sharp features. I was like, guy looks like a fucking Vulcan. And I've been watching like the next generation Star Trek, like the last like two months. I've been kind of like burning through the the seasons. Uh, and I'm like, I've seen this guy before. He looks like a fucking Vulcan. And I look at him, I was like, oh, he's a fucking Romulan. God damn it. <laughs> and I'm just here like, I'm impressed. This shit, I even told Patrick, I was like, we should just have a segment where you just talk about actors you recognize. From I just recognize him. He was in that, and uh, he was in that uh, episode of Star Trek where Data gets drunk and has sex with Tasha Yar. That's Whoa. like a, that's an early episode. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> that's like literally the third or fourth episode. Hmm. <laughs> uh, the first season is really it's slow. Second season is really picks up for me. That's when Riker has the beard. Yeah. But they don't. They still have that weird kind of one piece suit. Yeah, that's not. That's not a good look for anybody. <laughs> Season three of those when they get distinguished. That's that's mm-hmm. the shit right there. It is. I think that's when I, I saw some episodes of that only because of Levar Burton and Reading Rainbow. But um, the One Arm Man. Back to it relates yeah. to Star Trek. So yeah. <laughs> back to the One Arm Man. Um. So wait, but it, in the Star a- Trek episode, I'm gonna be like, that guy looks like fucking Kirk. And that guy is fucking Spock. <laughs> Ricardo Maltavano was in that episode of Star Trek. <laughs> no, the the one-armed man is an element from the TV show. In fact, a majority of this is from the TV show. But he... The cool thing that... They They're did, modified, right? Like, every character is almost modified. Every, uh, yeah, every character is modified to a point. Like, I think... Yeah, I think... I don't remember what like what kind of... What field Kimball specialized in exactly of the show. I don't think it was cardiovascular. No, in the show, I'm not, I, don't, I don't know. Oh, for the context of this plot... Like, he's, like for, a, he's like a surgeon. Yeah, he's a surgeon. And it, that's actually... It, it actually adds to the story amazingly well. Like, the story's written around this whole pharmaceutical and, like, medical industry. Yeah, which kind of rings true today. 
in some aspects. Mm-hmm. With the warmer men, that's just a small element of a bigger thing, which I I actually appreciate because for me going into this movie, I had read about the original show and I had like heard about like the finale. Wasn't stuff. the one armed man like more malicious and more like connected in the TV show or something like that? Mm-hmm. And he was he was the main villain. And going into this, I was like, I will. I'm digging this movie so far. But I already know how it ends. It's the one armed man. So when it wasn't straight up just the one armed man, I was excited because I was like, Oh, then who is it? Like, because yeah. he's just another piece of the puzzle. Like. Oh my god! Oh my god! There's more to this, and I'm I'm excited. You know who else we forgot to mention before we keep going on with the one arm man, Joey Pants. Oh yeah, Joey Pants. <laughs> Joey Pantliano, my homie. Pantliano. Uh, okay. Pantliano, the homie uh, Cipher from yeah. the Matrix, or as I also know him, um, one of the Fratelli brothers from the Goonies. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah, he's. A I don't friend. know what's his name. What is his character's name in Sopranos too? By the way. Uh, his character name is the Sopranos is Ralph Ralph Cifaretto. Right. They killed him off early on, I think. Oh, they killed off Joey Pants? <laughs> no, which is weird, because you think he would last longer. But no, yeah. Why Joey Pants? Because, <laughs> you know, Tony's got to, you know, it's all about what Uncle Tony wants. Yeah. It's good for business. It's good for family. True. True. You hear they're, reading, they're like, writing a prequel movie? What are they going to fucking do about James Gunn? <laughs> <Galafin? laughs> like, he's, he's helping uh, Gerard on his way to, like, finding this investigation, because... Isn't isn't just Tommy Lee Jones? He has a whole team. I like them because they're all like they work so well as like characters with each other. Like their interactions with each other are so good, and they don't just serve as like oh here look at this chief oh here here's another puzzle. It's like the the movie they work. Yeah, the movie's like an episode of Law and Order that doesn't suck. <laughs> yeah, not saying Law and Order is a bad show, but sometimes there's episodes that are just like uh, boring as pr- shit. Procedure. It is straight up. I mean, there's like a there's a part where they chase down one of the other convicts that got away in mm-hmm. the train accident, and like there's an incident where one of the cops gets like held hostage, and uh, Tommy Lee Jones' character shoots the guy down, but it's like so close to his partner, he's like, "Dude, you could have fucking killed me." He goes, "I know, but I needed to take that risk. Like, I can't just let it not happen, you know?" Yeah. And I think that one was that was really good because it shows like Tommy Lee Jones's character. It's not like he's he does because he comes like right after the after the incident. He like checks on his own guy. He could have easily just been a dick and continued working. And the other thing I appreciate too, where the John Kimball thing, since we're kind of on his journey as well, when he finds out information, we're finding out information. Oh yeah, and it's like and it all like makes sense. And we see and since he's an intelligent character, it's done. It's not spelled out for you, but you're like, oh wow, shit, that could that totally makes sense. Like, yeah, like how everything just like intersects and lingers and even in the flashbacks when he's like trying to sleep and stuff like we're seeing more information like this is adding to this 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 like and um even in those scenes the one thing i love throughout this is just the tension in like certain moments like when he enters the like when he's running away when and it, entering the house. i think a good tension is when he gets home from the first time and during mm-hmm. the murder and like he kind of starts suspecting something's going on as he like gets closer and closer to like the reality that's about to be like set upon him yeah because he's like you know he's like hey how's the game how's everything going and he doesn't know what's happening yet yeah but, but like we know we yeah. know what's going down because they keep cutting back to it and it it's just i wrote here in my notes and i said it before this movie is just paced in a way that it is an epic chase throughout just even in the lulls like you said before well, yeah, because the mystery is still intriguing enough that you're interested in what's going on, even though everything's calmed down. And then, so when it builds up again, that that brings your interest up. Like when they're when he has a confrontation with the one armed man. Like you don't really, I honestly don't see it coming there, even though I've seen the movie before. But like, mm-hmm. it's like it's so well built that you're like, oh, he thinks he's gonna have to be on the run again. But it's like, no, this is the confrontation. Like it's going down right now. But they build it up because you know that the one armed man is out to do something anyways. Mm-hmm. And and the intriguing thing about that is we know that the one armed man part of the bigger system which involves the pharmaceutical and involves a colleagues of john kimball and several colleagues that we've seen before like in the beginning we've we've met these people and throughout the movie we see um you see people like lentz who is like one of the like investors into like a charity ball at the beginning and you see like and other like a majority of these investors and then frederick cites the one-armed man who gets a who finally gets a name <laughs> did he not have a name in the tv show i don't think he had a name in the tv show mm-hmm. um he he he's 
a piece of it. Like yeah, he's just he's just a piece of the puzzle. He's not a he's not the main threat in the in the actuality of of what happened. And he's a former is he the one that's a former cop, right? He's a former yeah. cop too. He lost the he lost his arm in the line of duty, he says. Mm-hmm. And pretty much um, which explains how he got in and could have like messed with the evidence and stuff. Yeah, because they weren't trying to go after <coughs> they weren't trying to go after Kimball's wife. They were trying to go after Kimball. Yeah, she was just like a horrible like co- collateral Mm-hmm. In the in the accident, because all this involves around a wonder drug, a drug that clears out the arteries. Yeah, but it also damages the liver or something like that, right? And yeah, and John and John Kimball had figured that out. And what they wanted to do was get rid of him. So in his findings, uh, and they even replaced the tissue samples that he like experimented on. Yeah. So they they would like er- kill him and then get rid of rid of the work. Eventually, you find out that it's actually one of his friends who who was kind of I don't know if he was the mastermind or at least the face of the of the thing because he, he is the, he's pretty much the face of it because it feels like he like other things are planned by other people but he's the main he's the main crux of it and it's someone who we see earlier who actually gives money. It's to a great John it's a great red herring too because we think it's Lynz. The yeah. whole time. And then we find out he's died at some point during the summer since the escape. And you're like, well, who the fuck else could it be? Because if that's not the dude who did it, then who the fuck is? You know, and it's the, the corporation, but like the one who kind of planted or might have given the information was, uh, what's his friend's name? Charles Nichols. Nichols, yeah. And you're like, oh, you motherfucker. And they kind of, they kind of, uh, they don't give it away, but they give you a hint, but they use like medical jargon, so you can easily like not be aware of it. Yeah. I don't even remember what it says, but Joey Pants is the one that says. Ah, uh, Joey Pants! Yeah, he's like, He's like, oh, yeah, he's doing the conference of, like, cardiovascular, something clearing the arteries. I'm like, that sounded like something to do with heart and stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, I told you, I was like, I think they kind of gave away something right now. And you're like, what? It's like, he said it there, but I don't know what the fuck he said. Yeah, then, like, yeah, that appears late when it like finally appears later like they want to get rid of me because the drug was like, oh, oh, yeah, now I know what Pat's what Pat meant because he straight up said what the lecture was going to be about yeah what she wouldn't have been what she wouldn't have been doing if it wasn't related to the drug mm-hmm. and the other like fuck. um another thing i want to mention the score in this movie is pretty fucking awesome it's very like 90s thriller but like in the best way 90s sims electric like drum pad it's like so it's tense. driving it like it keeps you going yeah and it's done by uh, james Dean howard who would go on to do like the dark knight stuff another movie that was filmed in chicago that score drives the movie as well and (laughs) especially during the train scene like it's just there's just tension even the infamous scene of just i don't care kimball calls him on the phone kimball's the smart motherfucker of this whole thing when he's in sight's house oh yeah he knows he he calls uh the agency that they're at and they go who is it like he says he's kimball and tommy jones is like give me the phone like maybe it's some guys like lying and he goes, do you remember what you said to me on the dam? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I remember. And he's like, he's like signaling. Yeah, he's, like, he's on, he's go, on go, the go, fucking phone. Right here. And then he goes, uh, he goes, you said I don't care. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I don't care. I love how it's like mentioned two, like two more times after that. He's like, he's like, listen, I'm trying to solve a mystery here. Like something's wrong and I'm trying to figure it out. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to solve a puzzle and I think I just found myself a really big piece. And he goes, uh, I think he kind of like, I forget what else he says to him. He goes, uh, I need, and then I'm going to go, so like, basically he goes, but I'm going to solve the rest of it right now. And he leaves the phone there. He takes some of the evidence for himself. Not, not, not all of it, but enough. And then he gets out of the house and the, the cops like, and he also leaves the phone off the hook. He, yeah. He doesn't hang it up. He just leaves. He leaves it there, and you can hear that Tommy. He's like, "Uh, hey, hey, where are you? What's going on?" They're like, "Oh, well, we've got the signal where he's at, so let's fucking go there." Yeah. And then they go there, and they like they look around, and then they and they then then they start piecing together. It's like, "Oh, what's what's this connection between you and Lintz and this corporation? We're seeing a lot of checks here." And they, they ask Sykes, who like arrives at the house, because they've also figured out that uh, Harrison Ford's characters after is looking into um, people with ampu- uh, amputations or uh, prosthetics yeah so like what the hell's the point of that and then they when Sykes come in with his like with his fake hand they're like oh shit like they like oh shit he was right yeah and then they like they don't have enough to like arrest him but like they leave and I think even Joey Pants goes that guy's dirty Tommy goes yes yes he is he's like very yeah he he looks at the police officer he's like I want to camp around this area I don't want anywhere to move here he's like I want him right here here. I want to go I'm gonna go now and like keep investigating um (laughs) 
it's crazy because even that that time Kimball's still on the run, just you know, because one, he's still kind of a convict. Yeah, he still can't. He's not. He can't exonerate himself yet because he doesn't have enough evidence. Yeah, it's not. It's not really till the end when they, you know, all the pieces come together. Yeah. Um, he fucking calls his friend out like right in front of a conference, also probably right in front of the pharmacy or the pharmaceutical company. So like either people like half the group might be working for the pharmacy or half the group are like what the fuck is this guy talking about and that scene is like that he, scene like, he is calls the, him out too is the bit is like the ultimate spill the fucking tea moment my favorite part is the guy with the uh the the light the spotlight they're like he's like uh Nichols and, and Harrison Ford are like oh we'll we'll talk to the side and the guy with the spotlight follows them the whole way as Harrison Ford's like loudly accusing him he goes you switched the samples you killed my wife and they're like <laughs> everyone's all like what the like you hear some people go like, what the right here yeah you, you know what we uh, like speaking of harrison ford we forgot to mention harrison ford in this movie is harrison fucking ford i mean isn't he always like <laughs> no but like he's peak i'm ass kicking oh yeah fucking smart air, I'm a air force one harrison. air force one harrison ford. this is the pit get off of- my train yeah <laughs> still the best fucking thing you said in the movie. so there's like a point when he has a confrontation with one armed man they fucking fight it out um uh, straight up dude and, and you're like holy shit he's a badass i'm like get off my train <laughs> yeah fucking handcuff you know what I mean? he kicks the shit out of the train window to escape he does like it's like really holy fuck and then when he leaves he just shoves an extra <laughs> he's like get out of the way <laughs> move he he's good as well and he conveys like the man on the run he conveys the smart being like He's intelligent. Yeah, he has his wits. Yeah, he's never like a guy based off instincts. He's trying to survive and he's trying to play it smart, like as smart as he can. He knows that they'll be after him and what they'll try to do to get him. And he apparently did a good job because he did it for a fucking year. (laughs) Imagine if if they didn't go after him. If it was just Chicago PD, he probably would (laughs) have. He'd have been shot and like buried in. Oh, I was gonna say he would have like figured it out sooner, but then then they're like, he's like, I found everything to prove my innocence. You still did it, and they just pull the gun out anyways. <laughs> You're guilty. <laughs> like, shoot. Still guilty. Go back to the jail. All right, maybe you shouldn't do that, but okay. <laughs> yeah, see, you do it better. What did you say about the Chicago Inn accent, by the way? Oh, it's uh, arrogance with a little bit of ar- with a bit of ignorance. <laughs> and it's uh, well said. <laughs> uh, but then I was like, the GOP, arrogant. But ignorant. <laughs> the action in it's like when so it good. happens, like, it's it's legit. It's good. Yeah, like the minute Harrison Ford like does his first punch mm-hmm. to fucking the one armed man, I was like, "Yep, this is Harrison fucking Ford." <laughs> I was surprised at the end fight between him and Nichols. I was oh like, yeah, I was like, like, "This punchy German doctor can really go at it." <laughs> Your my favorite thing he says like, "Look at these two middle aged men fucking duke it out." <laughs> oh yeah, they're like fighting on the roof. They're fighting the on the roof. They like. At one point, like, Harrison Ford grabs fucking, like, German dude. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. He's German. <laughs> the fucking other guy. Smacks him into the fucking, like... And like, they just go. They, like... Yeah, the skylight. Just, yeah, like, he, like... They go through, like, two windows, I think. No, Harrison goes, Ford yeah, they go through a the skylight. He punches the shit out of him. He, they fall from one floor, but then they fall into a fucking elevator shaft. It's like, oh, shit. Oh, like, on metal and shit, and then they keep going. Yeah, like... Like, I told you, like, he's fucking dead. Like, <laughs> like he should be dead, yeah. I mean, Kim, as you said, and Mythbusters said, that Kimball should be dead by the damn, but fuck that. Yeah. This movie's got to ramp up. <laughs> I was, like, that, that honestly surprised me. I was like, wow, he's the main guy that at the end that they got to fight, that they got to keep, like, he's the main obstacle. Uh, and it kind of, remi- yeah. It, it reminded me a lot of, like, the ending of John Wick, because I didn't expect the Russian lord to fight. And then he fucking does. Yeah, but it's like really intense anyways. You're like, oh fuck. Yeah. Like, but this one is it, it is a complete surprise. Like really a question. <laughs> this thing? old man's been waiting. He's like, I've been waiting all day to fight Harrison Ford. Okay, looking like I don't know why I made him Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> fucking acting like Henry Calvo in the fucking Mission Impossible trailer. <laughs> this movie is fucking ah, uh, I just uh, I it's feel so hard to make it and put it into words into audio. This form. movie's it's actually good. very good in the <clears throat> in the aspect of film because it takes all three components together and makes a really good movie because you know the acting is great all around and then our production is is really well done and it's coordinated and makes sense and then the writing and uh and visuals help to lend tell and tell a story usually like maybe one falters a little more than the other but overall inept cops aside 
Yeah. That's just my that's just my personal peeve. I feel like they're really connected and they're really well done. I think every every gear is working in a facet to mm-hmm. to make the best product it can. Because it's it's this beautiful collaborative effort. Yeah. And the result is the fugitive. <laughs> and, and, it's it, and it's cool and it's a it's a fun ride the whole time. And it's it's got an interesting tale and it's it's this great thriller. And usually thrillers are kind of boring to be honest, in my opinion. Like it's rare for them to be as entertaining and and attention grabbing as things like this is that more so to like pacing that's just pacing okay so pacing i was gonna say you've seen it all before like that yeah but yeah but also people think procedurals yeah but people dragging it out make thinking that oh the longer this is dragged out the more it'll be intense Mm -hmm. is like not the way you should look at that it's like how you do it and the setup is what's important and they they do it really well in this it's like there's that moment at the end when we think that uh dr nichols is going to shoot tommy lee jones's character Mm -hmm. and you you, like it looked like harrison ford's been waiting to attack someone but we couldn't tell if it was tommy lee jones or nichols like who he had found first yeah but he comes out of nowhere and just like swings right at nichols like right as he's about to shoot and then you know, that's what takes him down. Like that's a really good tension moment because you're like, oh fuck, is he gonna get to him in time? Is he even gonna strike him? Like what's going on? What's happening? I think this movie as 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 an overall film does really well, and I think that's why it should have gotten the nomination for best film. I don't think it should have won it because it was up against Schindler's List. But yeah, those that that mo- this movie did deserve that nomination, and I think it Tom did Lee, hands down. And I honestly think Tommy Lee Jones deserved that award. Did he win the award? He won the Best Supporting Actor. He, yeah, he did so. deserve it. Um, I think Ray Fiennes did a marvelous, evil fucking job in Schindler's List. <coughs> but I think when it comes to performances, just the determination that Jones has in this. Because sometimes, I, as much as I in, like liked and loved Schindler's List, I think Ray Fiennes in that movie does a very well job, but sometimes it does come off a bit stock villain. And like one, that's the criticism. That's the criticism I've heard is to make. That's the like you know. I mean, Nazis are, are horrible people, but to like always put them in the role of like, we are evil because we are Nazis. Like the act is evil, but those were still perpetrated by human beings. Yeah, like the person he's portraying is an evil fucking man. Like yeah, because he's a Nazi. No, no, no hesitation. Like, but he does things because the being a Nazi dictates it. Because he's yeah. like, I'm a villain, so I must be a villain. Yeah, I must do villainous things. Well, here we have like this person that has determination, drive, doesn't let the doesn't let the case get to him. Like, which goes back to the whole kind of he's like a lawful neutral. Like he's like I have to do this because this is what I've been sworn to do. I have no ill will feelings towards him, but I have to do my job. Yeah. So we can get into final thoughts. Yeah. So um, the film overall is like it's a very great. I th- I would show this, this is a very great example of filmmaking. Especially ninety, like good '90s filmmaking, which, to be honest, is a little hard to find. Um, if you really look at '90s film as a whole, I think uh, the performances overall are, are pretty great. I feel like the lighting is a little to be desired. It feels very kind of. It doesn't add anything, but it doesn't take away. It's just kind of average. But I don't want to say average because I feel like that's too. I, I get what I get what you mean by the lighting. Yeah, it's kind of like it doesn't do much. I mean, it's uh, that very. It's that very '90s stock lighting. Yeah, it's like kind of muted almost. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I think like a lot of parts came together. A lot of amazing pieces came together to create a very fantastic movie. I think the production uh, on the set was really well done. The editing on the film is really done. The pacing is is always really good. And and then when they have the lulls, the writing is done well enough to intrigue you and to keep you interested in what's going on. So in that, I would probably give it a. I'd probably give it a five. I think I'm gonna give it a five. Because I, I didn't find anything I had a problem with it besides the enough cops. Yeah. But that's just more of a joke thing to me. Yeah. So my final thought on this movie is, by definition, I think this is one of the best movies we have watched this season so far. Because not once did I get bored. Not once did I feel it was dragging. Not once did I have a real complaint about anything. I thoroughly enjoyed it and loved it from start to finish. And it, it does everything I want out of a movie. I want it to be... I want a movie to tell me a great story, to be paced well, to give me something that, that I'm unfamiliar with, something interesting that can engage me. I want I want that potential and I want great performances and I want all the all the wonderful things people will want in any kind of movie. And it delivers on every level. It provides that awesome tension. It provides the pacing which we constantly bitch about. <laughs> it provides great pacing. It tells this great story. And it's one of the very few adaptations of a TV show that is fucking surpasses it. 
and imp- and improves upon it in every way because I cannot imagine sitting through four seasons of this shit. And they're long episodes too. Yeah, it's it's almost near an hour an episode. But with this, you're taking the base concept of that, and that's another thing I love. When you're doing an adaptation, you're taking the base concept and you expand upon it and you make it your own. This movie took the basic concept and made it its own, and with terrific performances, with well paced action, with a ama- like great tension editing. This to me is like a near fucking perfect movie, and I love it for that because it's it's so goddamn good. Five out of five all around. I fucking love this movie. Dad, thank God <laughs> you like this movie. If you had like like a shitty movie, I'd disown you forever. <laughs> I'd be very sad. What do you mean you're like Waterworld? <laughs> Kevin Costner has gills in it. It's like Mad Max in the water. What could go wrong? <laughs> Can I, what do you mean you don't like the postman? You dare me to ask my father's thoughts on the water world. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> you mean the stunt show, right? <laughs> the universal one? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, the movie? Shit, I don't know anymore. And if you want to see The Fugitive, go to Amazon. Uh, find the Blu-ray. Uh, buy it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Give it to Sergio. Give it to me. And then we can watch it together as a family. No. <laughs> um, what you could do is you can rent it on YouTube, Google Play, Vudu, um, Amazon, any any of the streaming services you have. Go ahead, scope this out. And fuck, if you love this movie, we watch it again. It's a great watch and it's awesome. <laughs> it's funny. This is like, what, this isn't that beautiful wheelhouse of movies that I can watch from start to finish and not get bored. Even though I see it a thousand times, so it joins that beautiful league of another Harrison Ford movie, Raiders of the Lost Motherfucking Ark, <laughs> <laughs> which probably got a five last time, right? Or did you do Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yeah, yeah, it did. It gets a five. It's my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> Shit gets a five automatically. <laughs> Patrick, where can they find you? I am on Instagram at Great, on Tumblr at uh, PotcherGreat.tumblr.com. Uh, I am on Twitter at Humane Ramblings. Oh, uh, you can find me at SergeBrett on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. If you're into that, I guess Snapchat's dead. Dead, I, dead AF, as the children say. What's going on, fellow kids? <laughs> oh, you can also find this beautiful podcast hosted at fullweekpodcast.com. Audio, video, uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, all the awesome podcast apps that you have. We are most likely on there, exception being Spotify. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook at Film Week Podcast. You can also find us on Instagram at Film Week and on Twitter at Film Week and Film Week Podcast.tumblr.com. Yes, that's right. And our next episode, as we continue down this trek of TV on film, is adaptation of the TV show Get Smart, starring Steve Carell, Anne Hathaway, Alan Arkin, and our first ever Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And then you play the play, <laughs> play the theme, <laughs> but the '90s one. Really? Yeah. The, we I'm, are the nation. Oh no. The domination. <laughs> domination thing. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> that was 90s, technically. God damn. <laughs> oh, I remember when he took over for. Never mind. We're not gonna get. I don't remember his uh, nation. Uh, I don't remember either. I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't. Know, I didn't watch it back I then. I knew him when he was like <laughs> the weird Hawaiian shirt wearing guy. I was all, with the black shades and stuff. Yeah. I was like, who is this arrogant asshole fucking talking shit to everybody? I love I love wrestling. So if you hear a bunch of wrestling references when The Rock comes up, well, one, bound to happen, and two, holy fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> is it Patrick Warburton also in that movie? Patrick Warburton is Oh my somewhere. fucking god. High five. <laughs> Aizma, hey, Aizma, put up your hands. I'm excited. Oh my god. And I heard the movie is pretty okay. So Yeah. All right. Sweet. So we'll be watching Get Smart. I caught my mom. Okay. Full disclosure, I've seen one. I've seen at least two minutes of the movie. That's it. <laughs> I've seen the movies. So. And it's the ballroom scene. But that's like the dancing scene. You know, I already forgot most of the movies. So. Well, you saw it two, two or three months ago. Yeah. I don't know what that, uh, I don't know what that means like in the terms of us watching it for the podcast. I mean, I, I can remember some parts now that I think Alan Ark is in it. Yes. I yeah. just, I mentioned him. Oh, there you are. I'm just imagine. I'm just remembering an old bald man yelling at people. <laughs> Alan Arkin? Yeah, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so stay tuned for that and then you you pretty much said it is after that film week revisited Star Trek 2 the Raffle Spock Spock me <laughs> I'm working on my Ricardo Montalban <laughs> welcome to Paradise he was most human <laughs> what did I tell you after like after we recorded I was like I just put it there as an excuse for, to watch Star Trek 2 <laughs> <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> 
<laughs> we, we don't even have to review it critically. I just I just wanted to watch Star Trek too. <laughs> and as always, thank you for listening to this podcast. Share it, subscribe, do all that stuff. As always, we end with out of context line from the film. Well, think me up a cup of coffee and a chocolate donut with some of those little sprinkles on top while you're thinking. <laughs>